Praise the Lord. So we've been, uh, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at worship. If you've not heard the teaching over the last three to four weeks on worship, can I encourage you to go online, the Family Church app, Family Church, um, family.church website, or you can get us on Spotify. I've said it at last. You can, you can get every preach on Spotify, um, and I didn't know that, so you can. Um, so today we're going to start a new subject uh, topic, really, for the next couple of weeks or so. And I believe it is so relevant to where we're at, not necessarily just as a church, but society as a whole. And we're going to be looking at God's economic strategy. Um, if there's ever a time we need to know God's economic strategy, it is the time in which we're living right now. And I want to start this morning with what I've put down here, a radical statement. In the economy of the kingdom of God, we profit by what we give. All right? That's a radical statement, isn't it? Because the world system is completely the opposite. Save what you can, store what you can, invest what you can, but make sure that you don't give it away. In the kingdom of God... In the kingdom of God, we profit by what we give. I want that to stay in the forefront of your mind as we go through the thoughts this morning. Right now, every politician in our nation, every, every person that's been running for the office of, of prime minister and those in the opposition are all trying to persuade you and I of their economic strategy to get the country out of its financial crisis that we're in right now. Every single person in this room, I would say, at some point or another, has experienced the financial pinch. We've had to cut back a little bit on what we're doing. We're not driving perhaps at 95. You shouldn't be anyway. You're no longer driving at 95. You're now driving at the speed limit. Thank the Lord for that. All right. Some of you are using the train because you're thinking, I can't afford the fuel or fuel prices, and you're deciding... Okay. Or you're walking rather than, or you're on a bike now. Or like we, we decided um, before, before the um, cost of living crisis was even named, we decided that we weren't going to live in the majority of the house and that we would live in our dining room um, and have the heat over the winter in our dining room and our kitchen. And that's where we stayed to be economically st a steward of the finance of our life. And all of us are experiencing what that feels like to some degree. Maybe you're not getting the fillet steak that you once had. Or maybe you are, but it's not the huge one. You've cut back a little in your life. Okay, so we're all feeling the pinch somewhere in our lives. One of the things that we can see is Jesus taught on finance. In fact, it is one of the subjects that Jesus taught on over and over again, whether it's being a steward, whether it was sowing, whether it was giving or generosity. And that, that same theme has continued, not just through the Gospels, but through the epistles. And if you look back in the Old Testament, you'll see there that there was also a strategy in, through the Levitical, the Levitical priesthood and the tribes of Israel of how finances were raised and given away. So the Bible speaks a lot about finance. For us to be wise stewards of our finance, 
we all need to take responsibility as believers. None of us should be unwise regarding what we earn and what we give and what we generously give away. We need to be wise stewards of our money. And I think it's really important that we talk about it because I wouldn't be a good pastor if I just taught on healing or I taught on faith or I taught on outreach or I taught on grace and never taught on finances. And yet teaching on finances for a pastor can be one of the most difficult things to do because everyone automatically thinks now you're trying to raise funds for the church or you're trying to pay my bills or you're trying to... I'm not trying to do that at all because it is so important, especially in an age where we're living in a financial crisis that we know how to deal with our finances wisely. Listen to this. I believe this speaks very clearly of the times in which we're in. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, But understand this, that in the last days, dangerous times of great stress and trouble will come. Difficult days that will be hard to bear. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, well, the financial crisis really hasn't affected me too much. Have a conversation with Claire and the Care in Hands team, and you will hear how much and how many people are needing food provisions who are coming here on a regular basis to pick up a food hamper to help them through another week. In fact, I'm going to share with you some facts and figures that I believe reveal that we are really in a financial crisis for many. And it is, in in fact, times that are hard to bear. Like I say, you may not be finding it hard to bear, but perhaps you don't know everyone in your street or everybody in your community. Facts and figures. The number of people receiving three days' worth of emergency food by Trestle Trust food banks, and these are only Trestle Trust food banks, not all the food banks in the country. In the United Kingdom, in 2008-2009, was 25,899 people. Compared to 12 years later, 2,173,158. That is huge. And that's just through one agency that provides food for different food banks, not all the independent ones. The UK national debt is growing at a rate, and I checked it again this morning, at £5,170 per second. (laughs) Experts believe that the real national debt of this nation is a staggering £4.8 trillion. If you look at the official figure that they put out there, it's about a a, a trillion. But they reckon, looking at all the other experts, it's 4.8 trillion. Do you know what? That equates to 78,000 pounds of debt for every person in the UK. When you think, that's a lot of people. Because I worked out this morning at 7.30 this morning. I didn't go counting, right? I didn't work it out personally. I checked it out. 
The current population of the United Kingdom at 7.30 this morning was 68,626,570 people. I, when I first looked at it around about uh, 7 o'clock, it was much less. The population is increasing quickly. But that means that every single person, whether they are just born or whether they're just about to die or whether they are a multi-multi-millionaire, if you equal it out, the national debt per person is £78,000 worth of debt. That's huge. No wonder we as Christians need to be good stewards of our income. Not frivolous, not generous without wisdom, because every person who's generous needs to, be, needs to have wisdom. I know some generous people that don't apply wisdom and then they give, and then they leave themselves short. That's not wisdom. Wisdom needs to be applied as well as faith when it comes to finances. As Christians, we are in this world, but we don't live according to the principles of this world. There is a financial economic strategy in this world that says, give me, give me, my name's Jimmy. All right? Whereas the kingdom of God says... Give and you will increase. It takes faith to give and believe that God will bring an increase when the system of our world says, put it in the bank, save it for a rainy day, invest, get shares, get a second home, lease it out to somebody else. Do you know what? It takes wisdom to know what the Word of God teaches. The problem with many Christians is they don't see their Heavenly Father as their provider. It is so important that we see God as our provider. Jehovah Jireh, my, the Lord, my provider. We need to find and, and experience God as our Father, just as a natural father who sees his children struggling with their finances would help them and provide for them, but give them wisdom as they move forward. So our Heavenly Father wants to give us and provide for us, but also give us the wisdom in the journey of our life. I made this statement. I've written this down. The first thing that we need to establish if we're going to operate in the kingdom way of handling our finance is to acknowledge God as our provider, regardless of where we work, how much we earn, or what we have in the bank. So you could be a multimillionaire and say, I'm a self-made man. No, you're not. Oh, yes, I am. I worked hard to get where I am today. No, you didn't. God helped you to get where you are. It's always remembering the source. God gave me wisdom to make that choice. God set me up so that I would have this deal. God made this happen. Do you know what? All the time we recognize that it is God who leads the way. A man plans his way, but the Lord directs our steps. Oh, you may think you made that decision. You may think that you were in the right place at the right time, but you plan your way but the Lord directs our steps. Trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And he will direct your path. 
How many of us have quoted that in our life? And then all of a sudden we think, well, I made that choice. No, let's always be giving thanks to God for what he's done and the direction he leads us in. King David, at one point, he, he shared something with the assembly, with the gathering of people that was so powerful that I believe it's worth sharing with us again this morning. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, we read these words. Therefore, David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, Lord. Sorry, blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. He recognized God as his Father. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness. It's almost like the Lord's Prayer in the Old Testament. It's just amazing. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. That's what we were talking about last week, about bringing all our worship and thanksgiving to him. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. And you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor. What, what, what were they? Both riches and honor. I'm not saying every one of us are going to be rich in the room, but we can be rich in our relationship with God. See, when he's talking about riches, he is talking about finance. He is talking about income. He's talking about the provision in our life. For some, that may have been oxen, sheep, goats, whatever. It may have been grain. It may have been corn. It may have been... That was the, that was the resource, the financial resource of times gone by. Today, we don't barter and exchange sheep and goats and grain. We have money or cards or whatever, Bitcoin. Um, but the bottom line is, we, we in this situation, like they in their situation, need to look at God and say, this, you are our God and we trust you. You are our God and we will submit to you. Both riches and honor come from God. We can try and do our part, but we've always got to bring it back to him. You reign over all. Do you know what? If you've made a bad investment and, you're, and you've repented of that, you can look to God and say, you reign over all. You can turn this situation around for good so that it doesn't bring me hurt. We can believe God to turn circumstances around. He can turn all things around for the good of those who love him and call according to his purposes. He can turn our financial situations around. You may have got into the cycle of putting everything on your credit card. And now you're in credit card debt. God can turn the circumstances around. It may take time, it may take wisdom, but with God's plan in your life, he can turn it around for good. And then he says this, in your hand is power and might. In your hand, it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. What a fantastic scripture. He recognized God as his father. He recognized God was his provider. He recognized God was his might and his strength. How, 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 
How quickly do we need to get to that point where we say, it's not me who's done this. It's all to him be the glory. It's all to God in this situation. See, David knew where his supply came from. And do you know what? He didn't keep it to himself. He gathered the assembly. He gathered the gathering of people and he said, look, I want you to know where I found my resource. I want you to know who my father is. He is God. I want you to know who I go to for strength in the midst of battle. I want you to know. And he gathered everyone around. And do you know what I felt this morning before, as I was preparing this? That I feel like I'm like David here, just gathering you around to share the things that David shared back then in the Old Testament so that I can share them with you as in the New Testament. Because we need a revelation that Jehovah Jireh is my provider. Not my work, not another income source, not my retirement pension fund, but God. And God knows how to get stuff into our life. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro upon this earth to show himself strong and those who trust in him. God is the one who supplies our need. God is the one who can bring that into our life. Trust him in the journey. See, many of us quote this next scripture. Many of us know it off by heart. And if I said, okay, Philippians 4.19. And you're all sitting there thinking, yeah, I know that scripture. I'm going to read it to you. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We know that scripture, don't we? We've quoted it. But many of us probably have misquoted it. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. Wrong. My God shall supply all our needs according to his riches. Wrong. My God shall supply your needs according to his riches. It's funny because I prepared this and then we watched something um, a couple of days later and it's exactly, I said, Jane, this is exactly what I've got here. And I thought, yes, I'm doing all right. <laughs> See, we quote this passage, but we quote it wrong. If you read it in context, see, everything in the Bible needs to be read within the context of why it's there. And if you read it in the context, I'm going to turn there quickly. Ephesians, uh, Philippians, sorry, Philippians 4.19. If you read it in the context, I'm just going to read Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I would suggest you go back to verse 10, but for, for time's sake, I'm not going to go back to there. I'm going to go from verse 15. And now you Philippines know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Even Thessalonica, uh, even, sorry, for even in Thessalonica, you sent one, uh, aid once and again uh, for my necessity, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, 
having received from Ephroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God will supply your needs. He's talking to the church that were providing his needs. See, we think, oh, I can quote that scripture and God's going to provide all my needs. No. No. I, I've been in prayer meetings and people have come forward and, and they've said, oh, you know, please pray that, that our, our, we're in a financial difficulty. Do you know the first thing I want to say is, do you tithe? Because I can pray over you, but me praying over you is not going to open the windows of heaven like you tithing will. I'm going to get onto that in another week. God says he would rebuke the devourer on our behalf if we tithe. I'm going to get that another week. But people come forward and say, please pray for my financial needs. I want to say, obey God in what he says, and then I'll pray. Because we can't walk in disobedience and expect God to be honorable to his word when we're not honorable to him. And my God will supply all your needs? Yes, when you give as a steward in the house of the Lord. This isn't the easiest word, like I say, for a pastor to preach, but it's true. This is biblical economics. This is what the Bible teaches that we need to walk by. We often quote this passage and then expect God to be some sort of slot machine that always comes out for us or, or, or a withdrawal account that we go to the bank and we just type in, type in Philippians 4.19 and hope there's a withdrawal that comes. No, there's, there's a cause and effect. They need to be working hand in hand. And, and, and Paul was saying, because you have given to me, I'm believing for the fruit that comes to your account that my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Money is a part of our everyday life. Now, most of us probably, we come to church, oh, I've got a pound, I've got a pound on me. Look at that. It's the, tro it's the, it's the trolley pound. It's the trolley pound. I, well, most of us come to church, these, uh, I'll just leave this around, I probably shouldn't. It's got all my, all my cards, my, there we go. I'll put it in my pocket now. <laughs> I trust you. Why did I say that? Anyway, but we come with plastic. So what, what, how do we give in the house of God? I, we haven't got a, a, an ATM or whatever it is machine and we go around, okay, you can... Put in your code and pass it around, put in your code. Just make sure you sign out before someone else puts in loads more money. We don't do that. But if you don't come with cash, then that's why we've been saying, do it online, do it through direct debit, because we have become so much of a cashless society. And do you know what? In the last days, the world will become a cashless society. And we're living in those days. Money is a part of our everyday life. But we've got to have a kingdom mentality to finance. The ultimate goal for the faithful Christian steward is not personal gain. It's not, you know, when we got our, our, our van, it was such a hindrance to me in church 
because when we bought it, it was, it was spotless. I, I use it to take all the, all the church rubbish to the dump all the time. But when we bought it, it looked spotless. It looked brand new. It had my personal registration plate on it. And people were saying, oh, look at you, pastor. That vehicle was 2004. It's an old vehicle. But everybody assumed we were driving around in a plush new vehicle that if we bought new was about 50 to 60,000 pounds. We bought it secondhand or thirdhand from Japan. I had a registration, my personalized registration. That was a gift for my children on my 50th birthday. I didn't go out and buy it. Would I go and buy a personal registration? No. I've got better things to be a steward of my money on. But I asked my kids, I would love that for my birthday. But you know what? There are some who assume, well, you drive a flash car and you drive it with a personalized registration. Well, you're doing all right. We've got to have a kingdom of God mentality, not, well, I haven't got a personal registration on my car, why should I give to you? It's, it's those mentalities in life. The ultimate goal for the faithful Christian steward is the expansion of the kingdom of God. That's why we give. See, it was true in the Old Testament, true in the New, and true for us today, living in the New. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says this, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. Why? To wear a lovely new watch? Well, this is my lovely new watch. <laughs> but this was a gift from you, the church, for, my fifth, for the 15th anniversary. I've at last got the strap fixed so I can wear it. It took three years. <laughs> <laughs> took a few years, but COVID was in the middle of that. Anyway, he gives us the power to get wealth. Does he give you the power to get wealth to consume it on yourself? No, he gives you the power to get wealth to be a steward. Dead Sea. There is no outlet of the Dead Sea and everything's dead in it. If, if, if God gives you the power to get wealth and it just stays with you and stays in your account, guess what's going to happen to that? It's going to die. It's going to have no effect. But the Jordan, it flows through. It's flourishing. It's alive. It's healthy. God wants to see you as a conduit through which his blessings flow. You are blessed to be a? Blessed to be a blessing. Give, and it shall come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But you know what it starts with? It does, doesn't it? Sometimes that's the hardest step. Give, and it comes back. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. To establish his covenant on the earth. We give a little. We can do a little. But when we give much, we can do much. Can you imagine? You know, how did Jesus finance his earthly ministry? Did he have to finance his earthly ministry? I can tell you how I believe he financed his earthly ministry. Does anybody know, I wonder? His earthly ministry was financed the day he was born. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
They, they, these, these wise men didn't travel hundreds and hundreds of miles with, with a little gold band and say, here, have that Jesus. They came, they came with bucketfuls. They came with, they came with bagfuls of... You know, I, I have this picture of them coming with... Here we go, this is better than... Here, Jesus, here, here's my gold. Okay, if someone came walking in the room with that much gold for me today to finance the ministry, thank you very much. <laughs> and I can assure you in Jesus' day when they came and they gave him, presented him with gold, frankincense and myrrh, each one of those commodities would have financed his mission on earth for the 30-odd years and the three and a half years that he was in ministry. We need to be a people who are looking to establish the covenant of God. Listen to this scripture. This scripture is, I, I, I know I've read it before, but it, in this context, I've never seen it until I read it again this week. Luke 16, verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of earthly wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? Wow. Can you, can, you know, you're probably thinking, hang on, have I read this before in the Bible? Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the youth of earthly wealth. Now, you know, some people may, may excuse it and say, well, no, that's not talking about money. I'm sorry, it is. It's talking about mammon, money, wealth. He's talking about what you have as an income. He's saying, therefore, if you've not been faithful in the use of earthly wealth, who will entrust the true riches for you? This is about us being wise stewards, but having a generous heart. Generosity is part of the kingdom. I heard someone say this once, and I think it's just a great saying. You are most like God when you give. Let that drop into your heart. You are most like God when you give. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. That anybody believing in him would not perish, but have eternal life. You are most like God when you give. That's amazing, isn't it? It's like I, I want to I do a, um, a psalm, a sila moment. Just let that ponder in your heart. It shows, this passage shows the importance of being a steward. Let me ask this question. In all that you have, or don't have. In all that you have, in your house, in your bank, in investments, in homes, whatever it is that you are possessors of, are you a steward or are you a manager? If you're a manager, then you own those things. You have made those things happen in your life. If you are a steward you recognize that he gave them to you. And therefore, if he asked for it, you could freely give it away. 
because you are a steward of what God's given. If the Lord said to me, give my van, no, no, it's my only vehicle, no. If if the Lord asked me to give the van, let me get the keys quick. (laughs) They're here. I'll put those in my pocket as well. (laughs) Freely you have received. Because if I gave what I would struggle to give, I know that he has something better for me to have. We struggle with letting go what we think is so precious because we don't see what he sees around the corner. Our being faithful with what we do have releases the abundant provision in supernatural ways. We'll get on to sowing and reaping in a couple of weeks' time. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Jireh. Is he your Jehovah Jireh? Or is it still work? Is it still your, your pension? Is it still something else? Is it God? Jehovah Jireh. Oh, I worked hard for my degree. Yeah, you may have done. But God still positioned you to get the job that you're in. Oh, I, 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 I built up the business once. My father handed it over to me. But who got your father to have the business in the first place? Everything goes back to God for us as believers. Everything it finds its root in God. And out of that comes the fruit in our life. I'm just going to... Five things. Five things that prevent us walking in the biblical truth of good stewardship regarding our finances. Fear. The number one thing I believe would be fear. We're fearful to, to give because we don't think we'd have enough to meet our needs through the week. I remember the occasion when we were... At a, I've shared this before, I'll be brief. We were at a, a meeting... Jane gave all her food money to the offering. It was a miracle offering. Jane gave all her food money, and I gave whatever was left in our life. We gave it all in this meeting. I went to Jane afterwards and said, Jane, I've given, I've given a certain amount. She said, yeah, I gave all our food. I said, you, I, 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 called, I said, you stupid woman. I would never say that to her today. I don't often say that today. <laughs> Only when I lose playing games. Anyway. <laughs> oh, here we go. Let me dig another hole. But, but I, I gave everything that I thought we could. And then gave, Jane gave everything that we should. And I think, was it by the end of the next couple of days? End of the week. We got four times the amount. But when I found out what we had given, see, what I thought was right was fine. But then when I found out we had given, it was like, that's how, what are we going to do now? How are we going to eat now? What are we going to do now? Suddenly my faith was overstretched. I could manage my amount, but not our amount. But God. 
God knew our hearts individually. He knew collectively what we had been able to give. But my God shall supply all your needs. Why? Because we had met the need of the meeting that we were in. And we gave supernaturally in that meeting. And we saw a supernatural provision come our way. Fear will stop you from giving. Self-centeredness. I earn this. I work jolly hard to get this. I'm not going to give it away. Self-centeredness. The love of money. I love going on four holidays a year. I, no, that's not me. I'm talking about someone else in the room. I love going on four holidays a, a year. I love driving a new car every, every three years. I, I love the love of money. The love of money will stop you being generous and a, a steward in God's house. Deception. The enemy will deceive you because he knows if you break this deception, you'll see the provision of God. And once you start seeing the provision of God, you just keep giving. Because it becomes a lifestyle. Those first few times may be really hard. Those first few moments of believing and trusting, will God come through, is hard at times. But then all of a sudden you see almost like the dam burst and, and provision come. And you say, this will be a lifestyle of giving. Deception. And the last one is disobedience. You know what the word says, but you decide I'm not going to do it. Disobedience. Disobedience is probably the worst one. To align yourself with. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience to the word of God. Rather than disobedience to what God is saying. Do we believe that God will supernaturally provide for us and meet our needs? The key is, do we trust him? This is all about trust in the journey. I want to finish with this it's the sta statement that I started with, so I'm going to finish with the same statement. In the economy of the kingdom of God, we profit by what we give away. And I'm going to finish with this scripture. Proverbs 11, verse 24. In the economy of the kingdom of God, we profit by what we give away. Proverbs 11 says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy, and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. The Bible speaks for itself. Oh, it may have been a fancy statement that I believe the Lord gave me. How's it going? In the economy of the kingdom of God, we profit by what we give. Let the word of God stand for itself. Give freely and become more wealthy. That's amazing, eh? That's not, you imagine going to a, a, an economic uh, conference somewhere and the speaker gets up to a whole like, bunch of politicians or whatever and speaks to the politicians, whoever the next one's going to be, and... Sakir, no, not, not Sakir, um, what's his, what's, uh, what's, who is he? Sunak, Mr. Sunak. 
Um, can I advise you the best way to get out of this financial national crisis is to give your money away? Can you imagine? It doesn't make sense to the logical mind. But we're not logically minded people, we're spiritually minded people. And when you apply the spiritual truths of God's word, not what I've said this morning, please don't take hold of what I've said this morning and say, oh, this has got to be the way it is. No, go back to the word of God and look at the word of God and bring balance and truth from the word of God. And you will see that the word of God says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will they themselves be refreshed. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Please don't just, please don't just sit there and be entertained or listen to me. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now regarding your finances, regarding your heart of generosity, regarding your financial situation? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Because whatever the Lord is saying to you, that's how we've got to respond. Obedience is better than sacrifice. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Now, I really do understand that this morning we're talking about a subject that the world loves to hear, but the church frown away from at times. And you've come to church this morning. And you may be a visitor, you may be new, you may have been your first time, someone may have invited you. Do we always talk about finances in church? No. We may mention them in the middle normally. I don't actually remember the last time I ministered on finances, which I apologize for, since we're in the middle of a financial crisis. But one thing that we do preach on on a regular basis is the love of God and what salvation means to you as an individual. Not just for your here and now today, but for all eternity. What you choose in your life will make a difference in where you spend eternity. We will all live forever. And today you may be here and you're seeking God. You want a personal relationship with God, but you've never accepted God into your life. You've never acknowledged what Jesus did on the cross for you. What I want to do is just to pray a very simple prayer to help you in this journey this morning. If you've never said, yes, Jesus, come into my life, or you've wandered for a while and you want God to become so real that you come on, on fire for him, I want you to pray this prayer. And I want everybody in the room to pray this prayer, helping those that may be praying this for the first time this morning. So pray this after me. Jesus, I come to you and I acknowledge you died for me. You took my sin. You took my failings. And you gave me a brand new life. Today I lay hold of you. And I make you my Lord and my Savior. And I receive you into my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. If, 
while every head is bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, or you're saying, God, I need to come back to you. I need my relationship right with you. I'm going to count to three. And I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand. There's a team at the back that will give some information to you. But we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call anybody out the front. But this is reality. God loves you. And he wants to walk with you all the days of your life. If you prayed that prayer sincerely this morning, would you pop up your hand? One, two, three. Pop it up right now. If that's you. Jesus loves you cares for you deeply he wants a relationship with you he wants to become so real that you recognize him as your provider Jehovah God Father I pray over your word this morning that it will not return to you void but Lord your word will go forth and it will accomplish that for which it was sent in Jesus name Amen Amen. Fantastic.